lead the data and analytics area at the ACCC. Thank you to the Graduate Data Network for inviting me to speak today. I'm going to cover four topics. So I'm going to cover, first of all, what the ACCC does. Second of all, I'm going to jump, jump into an example, which is the Travago case, which is a real life example of how we're using data and analytics at the ACCC. Thirdly, I'm going to cover a number of global issues that competition regulators are grappling with right now to do with the data and algorithm-driven economy. And then fourthly, I'll go to the Takata airbag recall, which is another real example of how we're using data and analytics um, in our work. So let's start with what the ACCC does. So I have a bunch of images here. The first one is airbags. Um, so that's the airbags that uh, is, represents our product safety work. The second one is our gas work. So we, we do a lot of work monitoring the gas market. Uh, there's petrol prices there. Uh, just note that we monitor petrol prices. We don't actually set petrol prices. Uh, the next one is uh, milk, which shows um, our work in the dairy industry, but also in agriculture more broadly um, at the MBN. So our work in telecommunications. Then uh, I have more pictures. So the next one is scams. We have quite a lot of work devoted to scam watch and actually preventing scams uh, for the Australian community. Uh, we, like every other agency, have devoted a lot to a COVID uh, response and recovery uh, associated uh, with the, the effects of um, the COVID health crisis, but also the economic effects. Uh, we work on digital platforms related issues. Uh, we're also doing some work on the Murray-Darling Basin water inquiry and electricity markets. Now that's quite a range and what I haven't shown you is our work on mergers and enforcement. It's actually a bit hard to put up images of those sorts of confidential topics. So just take it as read that we also do a lot of work on mergers, enforcements and other things like that. So the ACCC's role is to make markets work and our remit is economy wide. So we focus on competition, fair trade, markets, and regulate national infrastructure services. And that's all um, done using our Act, which is the Competition and Consumer Act. So it's a huge breadth of work, and data is involved in all parts of that work. It may be a truism for this audience to say, well, why does the ACCC need data and analytics capability? Well, it's because the economy is data and algorithm driven. The companies that we regulate are using all the modern tools. They're using big data, they're using analytics, they're using algorithms, machine learning, AI, all of these things. That's what they're using to run their businesses, but also crucially to make their decisions. So for us to do our jobs, we must be able to both investigate the conduct of these companies, including how they use data and analytics. We also need, so to do that then, we need a data literate workforce and also specialised expertise. I'm going to tell you now about the Travago case. So Travago is an online meta search engine for hotel rooms. So that means it collates and compares hotel offers from uh, online sources and then it highlights one rate for each hotel. So, you know, you can go to the site and type in a uh, hotel in Adelaide for these dates and you'll get one hotel, one rate for each hotel. And that's called the top position offer. 
And the business model is a cost per click model. So each time a consumer clicks on a room rate, um, the advertiser, so the hotel or the, uh, the aggregator, pays a small fee to Trivago. The company uses an algorithm to work out which advertiser um, is going to get that top position for each hotel. And the algorithm takes into account a number of factors. So the room price, the cost per click, um, sorry, the room price and the cost per click from the advertiser. So from 2016 to 2018, Trivago did a lot of marketing in Australia and they used a common tagline of your ideal hotel at the best price. The ACCC alleged that this advertising was misleading uh, or deceptive because in reality, the rates that had that top position were not necessarily the cheapest. An advertiser could actually secure that top position by placing a higher cost per click, even if their price was not actually the cheapest. So in 2018, Trivago stopped that advertising campaign and replaced them with ads didn't, that didn't talk about price. Um, that case was actually under appeal until the end of last year and then that was dismissed um, at, by the court at the end of last year. So to do the work for this case, Trivago was asked to provide details of how its algorithms assigned the top position offer for a hotel and how that sorting order for hotels was implemented. So they were asked to provide the plain English description of the code, the actual source code, the pseudocode description, and then the inputs and outputs of the algorithm for certain cities for certain days. Now that may sound like the worst sort of jargon, so let me show what it looks like. So this is what code looks like. It's not Trivago code, it's just code. So code is a series of words using the syntax of the coding language. Um, and when you execute that code, it carries out instructions. So that's what code is. Pseudocode is like a guide to the code. So it's like a map to show where the different sections of the code, what the different sections of the code are intended to do. So the analytical approach that the ACCC took in this case um, was twofold. Firstly, analysing the algorithm, and then secondly, analysing the data of those inputs and outputs of the algorithm. So there were actual searches done by Australian consumers. So that was part of the investigation stage um, of determining whether the cheapest price representation and that implicit top position representation were misleading. Um, one of the things we looked at was how frequently that top position offer was in fact not the cheapest offer. Okay, so the court made three key findings in relation to the analytics evidence. So firstly, that in 56% of listings, the top position offer actually had the highest cost per click. The second key finding was that in uh, two thirds of listings, the top position offer wasn't actually the cheapest price available. And then for those listings where that top position offer was not the cheapest, 90, almost 96% had a higher cost per click than the cheapest offer. So I'd encourage you, if you're interested to read the judgment, it's publicly available, to see how that expert evidence, um, so the, the court appointed experts, uh, presented the evidence associated with that. To my knowledge, this is actually the first case worldwide uh, that's relied on directly analysing an algorithm and then getting that evidence into court. 
Uh, I-Select was, was another one the ACCC did, and that was settled uh, at the end of last year. Our international counterparts are very interested in how we approach this case um, from an analytical perspective. And I've been speaking to them over the course of that, um, you know, at, at various occasions, and some of them are adopting a similar approach based on our approach. Now, you may be wondering, why would a company actually give the ACCC that data and that algorithm? So we have a number of different ways that we can obtain data and other information. We can use public data, you know, things like the ABS and other public sources of data. We also have internal data that can be really useful for different types of different types of um, matters and inquiries. We have we sometimes buy data, so commercially available data. But the real the real um, you know uh, interesting one in this context is the ACCC has compulsory information gathering powers under the Competition and Consumer Act. So under different parts of that act, the ACCC can require companies to provide information, documents and data um, if there's a reason to believe that there's a that there's a um, that we need that information to do our investigations. The other way that we can get information or data is via our international treaties and agreements. So in some circumstances, um, we are able to get data from some of our international counterpart agencies. I'm going to talk about a number of different really topical issues of how competition and consumer regulators are thinking about data and analytics right now. So the first one is the Digital Platforms Inquiry, which has certainly got a lot of press. In December 2017, the government directed the ACCC to conduct an inquiry into the effect of digital search engines, social media platforms and other digital content, content platforms. The, the DPI, Digital Platforms Inquiry, the DPI was very wide ranging. It covered competition, consumer protection, privacy, advertising and media issues with a focus on journalism as well. The first report was published in July 2019. Um, it had 23 recommendations. Uh, the most, rec most recently, uh, one of the recommendations, which was the News Media Bargaining Code, um, became law and that that uh, that was on quite a few front pages uh, in recent weeks. Uh, the digital platforms branch has now also published an ad tech inquiry on uh, ad tech technology, uh, an inquiry on online private messaging. So if you're interested, go to accc.gov.au and have a read of some of those inquiries. Um, the ACCC's work on digital platforms has generated global interest um, and is certainly a topic that many of our counterpart regulators are dealing with right now. Another global issue is the so-called consumer data right. So in November 2017, the, uh, the government announced a CDR, consumer data right, in Australia. The CDR gives consumers greater access and control over their own data. And the idea of the CDR regime in Australia is that it's going to encourage competition between providers and also encourage um, switching and other um, you know, autonomy and independence by consumers. The first sector that's uh, 
going with the CDR is the banking sector. And then the next one along will be the energy sector. Again, if you go to uh, cdr.gov.au, there's heaps of information about how the CDR has been implemented, the different types of data that are already available to um, data uh, recipients and, and other things like that. The UK, for example, has had an open banking regime for much longer than Australia has. So again, lots of um, collaboration there and understanding how different jurisdictions are approaching these issues. The next one that I'll talk about is algorithmic analysis. So I've already talked about Trivago. We've actually done this, got it into court, we being the ACCC. The CMA recently, the, sorry, the CMA is the Competition and Markets Authority in the UK. There's a lot of acronyms in this area. So the CMA recently uh, released a report, uh, and, you know, a consultation report, talking about algorithms and how, what their effects on competition and consumers might be. Um, I mentioned before that our international counterparts are really interested in how we're dealing with this. Um, and we've spoken to them about how we approached the Trivago case um, on a number of occasions. Another issue of uh, global interest is AI, machine learning and algorithms more broadly. Now, AI, machine learning's algorithms all need data to actually operate. Um, and often these are, these are called training data sets. So it's not just the analytic techniques, it's also the data sets that are being used to train those uh, machine learning algorithms or AI algorithms. The ACM in the Netherlands, so that's our counterpart, the uh, competition regulator in the Netherlands, now has issued a new paper look, looking at the functioning of algorithms in practice. So what do they actually do? And what are the issues and the effect on competition and consumers of having these algorithms as part of our economy? A hot topic is cartels. So cartels are you know, the, the, almost the ultimate anti-competitive uh, conduct. So a hot topic is these cartel, cartel screening, which is how can we detect cartels without or being independent of our immunity program? So using data and analytics, the idea is that competition regulators are going to be able to generate leads to investigate potential cartels further. And that will give us a wider range of options for identifying and then investigating cartels beyond the immunity regimes. Interestingly, the, in the cartel sector in particular, I think around 50% of the cartels the ACCC has investigated have had an international connection um, because a lot of these cartels are international in nature. So one example is the air cargo cartel uh, that, you know, <laughs> you have to work with your international counterparts on these issues because these are global um, companies that are um, potentially engaging in this type of conduct. The last topic, hot topic, that I wanted to talk to you about is algorithmic collusion. So this is the idea that algorithms might teach themselves how to collectively act as a monopoly, a monopolist. And where 
really interested in what the effects of algorithmic pricing, so prices that are being generated by an algorithm, might be on competition. So studies in the lab, you know, um, models by us and others have shown that algorithms might be able to teach themselves how to act as a monopolist and that these would have negative effects on competition. There's been academic literature on this topic for quite a while um, as a concept. There is a vigorous debate about what might actually happen in real life when algorithms um, sort of are interacting with each other. Um, and as I said, machine learning algorithms need data sets to, to learn from and to build from. So it's, it's linking that data, the algorithms and the effect of those algorithms together that is of great interest. Now I've talked sort of loosely about the different types of international collaboration that we do. Let me tell you what it looks like in real life. So it looks like quite a lot of video calls and given the time zone that I'm in, which is Sydney, it means quite a lot of early starts because when we're interacting with the US, the UK, Canada, New Zealand, it turns out that the best time zone is for us to get up very early. So uh, lots of very early starts to actually do this uh, international um, discussions and collaboration in practice. An upside of you know, a potential silver lining of the last year is that it's really normalised the fact that we can just connect by video. So that's been a terrific outcome um, in terms of international collaboration. So one that I'm more familiar with is the, the multi, multilateral mutual assistance cooperation framework between competition regulators, the MMAC. And the part that I'm know engaging with is the data and analytics group of that MMAC. The MMAC covers the CMA in the UK, the CCB in Canada, the NZCC in New Zealand and the FTC and DOJ in the US. So it's a, it's a group of um, regulators uh, that, we, that we engage with. When I was preparing for this, uh, this presentation to you, I actually went to the ACCC website and there are pages and pages of international agreements and treaties and memoranda of understanding that the ACCC has with uh, all sorts of different regulators and other um, international institutions. So if you want to have a look at that, um, go to ACCC International and you'll find everything to do with the ACCC's international work. I'd like to finish today by giving you another example. So, you know, a real life case study of how we're using this stuff. The Takata airbag recall is the world's largest automotive recall, and it affects around 100 million vehicles worldwide. And in Australia, it affected around 4 million airbags in 3 million vehicles. Very sadly, there have been 33 deaths and around 350 deaths worldwide associated with these airbags, including one death and one serious injury in Australia. So if you do one thing today, please double check, go to ismyairbagsafe.com.au and just check that your car is actually safe. The good news is that um, the ACCC announced last week that the recall is now 99.9% complete in Australia, which is just an amazing, amazing result. From a data perspective, the manufacturers uh, were required to provide information to the ACCC on every affected vehicle every month via a recall notice issued um, for the technical under Section 122 of uh, the ACL. 
Now, in practice, that meant we got a roughly 4 million rows of data each month on the progress of the recall. The data and analytics side of that, and the part that my team was involved in, was actually on trying to understand the risk factors associated with responding to the recall. So this first map um, shows Australia, and it shows at a certain point in time, the rate of vehicles not yet remediated. So it's a map. Each block on that map represents a postcode. Some postcodes are geographically very big, some postcodes are geographically very small, but we can zoom in. And in this particular uh, map, light colours are good, dark colours are bad. So light colours have responded to the recall in a, in more, dark colours have responded less. These particular airbags are more dangerous in hot and humid conditions. So to assess the risk factors of the recall in different parts of Australia and different communities, one of the things we did was added in climate data. So we got that data from the Bureau of Meteorology, matched the data to the recall data, and then we get this map, which shows, okay, a slightly different picture. And as you'd expect, the northern parts of Australia are now showing a darker colour with higher heat and humidity added on to that other risk, the rate of, of the recall. Another set of factors that are risk factors for this recall are some demographic factors. So there are some consumers and some communities that for different reasons are less able to respond to the recall. So what we did there was we got data from the ABS about different demographic factors, turned them into risk factors, matched that up with the other data, and then we get this third chart where again we're getting a different picture of which particular parts of Australia might need additional focus. Now I said you can zoom in, you can actually zoom right in and see individual postcodes on this. So what the H4C's outreach officers did was they took these maps out to individual communities and could say to people in those communities, did you know that there are still this number of airbags outstanding in your community? How can we help you and help your community to respond to this recall? So in a very real way, that's a way that we're using data and analytics to help save lives in Australia. I have, in a whistle-stop tour, told you a little bit about the ACCC and our work. I've given you two case studies of how we actually use data, so the Trivago and the Takata case studies, and I've covered a number of live issues of, that are of global focus um, with competition and consumer regulators. Uh, that all have to do with this data and algorithm-driven economy. Thank you very much.